Hello, this is Pastor Galen from the First Nazarene Church in Chicago, and welcome to our podcast. Hey, before we hear the message today, I simply wanted to say that no matter where you're at, we're glad that you're listening today. We hope this message will inspire you, instruct you, and help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And if you live in the Chicagoland area, maybe this is the first step for you joining us in person sometime. Or if you want to, you can always check out our online live services every Sunday on our website at firstnaz.cc. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning. Good morning. Woo, we are lively bunch today. I love it. It's going to be a great day. Uh, thank you for being here at First Nazarene, for those of you here in the room, for those of you online as well. Thank you uh, for joining us and being a part of our church. I uh, hope you had a great Christmas celebration, a wonderful New Year. Uh, man, I don't know about you. Maybe it's just, you know, I have all the, the feels after Christmas and looking out and seeing all of you across the four services. Uh, I love this place. I love this church, uh, and of course, a church uh, is not a building. It's the makeup of who the people are, and so I love you uh, as the people. Thank you uh, for being a part of this place. And hey, if you are new to our church, whether today is your first day or you, maybe Christmas, or you're new around uh, this place, thank you for being here. This is a wonderful community of people. Uh, I I love this place, and today we're going to begin this new series together called Rhythms, rhythms. Uh, And when you think of rhythm, maybe one or two things come to mind. Uh, Maybe if you're musically inclined, anybody in here musically inclined, by the way, like you sing, you can play, raise your hands, literally two. Wonderful. Because you all knew the next line, didn't you? If I raise my hand, he's going to tell me to join the worship team. You were right. You were right. Whatever. Uh, Maybe very few. If you think rhythm and you're musically inclined, maybe you think of a drum, right? A rhythm. Uh, But maybe a different kind of rhythm that we will explore in this rhythm series together. A rhythm. A regularly reoccurring sequence of events, actions, or processes. Uh, In the midst of this series, I want to look at the different rhythms that we have in our life. When you look at your life, what are your normal habits, patterns, or rhythms? Why did those matter? Why does God care about them? And why is it a big deal? And I want to say that if we change our rhythms, we can change our life. You know, I've recognized even in my own kind of preaching and teaching with you, I kind of oscillate between two different things. And the first is declaring just the good news, the gospel of who Jesus is. Most of you, many of you were here on Christmas, and I hope that we tell that story every week, that even if you're new, you would know that this is a place, this is a community, not of perfect religious people who do all the right things at the right times. No, we're a community of broken people, who seek Jesus together. We all have a past. We've all done things that we're not proud of. We have all sinned. But yet, as we come to Jesus, he takes us as we are. He loves us, and he forgives us. Not because of the good works, not by anything that we can do so that we've earned it and say, look at me, look how good of a person and religious I am. No, it's not by our own works, Scripture says. It is by grace that we have been saved through our faith in Jesus, the Son of God. It's a gift from God to us that he forgives us. He begins to make us new, changing our future, and then he gives us this new family, the church as we know it. We're all very, very different people. I don't mean that you are different. I mean that we are different from one another. 
but he makes us brothers and sisters in this life and this journey together as we get to know God more. So we say, this is the good news. You can be forgiven. You can have a new family. You can have a new hope and a new future and heaven forever. And so we declare that. And maybe for some of you today, that's all you needed to hear, that I'm not perfect Um, but maybe you just need to hear that. And I would encourage you before you leave, come find one of our pastors. We'd love to get to know you, especially if you're new, uh, but love to get to know you, pray with you um, and encourage you in your journey. But then secondly, because some of us operate like, well, I've prayed, Jesus has forgiven me. I can't wait to go to heaven when I die. So now I'm just going to get on with like the rest of my life. Or we get into a habit of like, I love Sundays. I love church. That seems to be like the holy sacred things. And like Monday through Saturday, I just kind of do whatever I want. Like the rest of it doesn't really affect my life. And this series, Rhythms, is really about maybe the other six days of the week, if you will. Uh, the times where, does God really care about all the little things? I think he does. We're going to explore that together. Romans 12, uh, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 from the message. It's a paraphrase translation of the scripture. I think really gets at the heart behind this idea. So here's what I want you to do with God helping you. Take your everyday, your ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. God, I give you my whole life. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into culture without even thinking about it. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. And this, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture without fitting in. Instead, fix your attention on God. Yes, in the big things, but also in the everyday, ordinary things of life. Or maybe more familiar to most of us, this uh, same translation, um, or a different uh, translation, the one we're more familiar with. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When you accept Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within you, and God begins to teach you about things. So we don't just fit in, and we don't just look like the rest of the world. In fact, we should look very different and distinct. We should be different. And God will transform us by the renewing of the mind, the word within us, changing who we are. I think God cares about every aspect of our life, not because he's some God in heaven who's like nitpicking every single thing we do, but instead a God who says, I want the fullness of life for you, the fullness, the abundant life, all the blessings. If you could follow me with your entire life, then you would see how I have designed life to be lived. So I recognize as I go through this series together, a lot of the things probably won't be like in today, here and go and do this. Instead, it's really more of a teaching of if you can insert these rhythms and patterns into your life over the long haul, you'll look back and think, that has changed my life. As we come to church, we never want to be a people who, um, what is that old movie? Is it Gladiator? And Caesar sits up there, and after a fight, he stands like this, and he goes like this or like this. You know what I'm talking about? We never want to be a people who come to church and say, we start like this. I like the music. I like the message. Or, not today. Not today. This is not why we come to church. We come to church earnestly seeking God with a posture of saying, God, I'm open. Would you teach me today? And I want to respond to what it is that you teach me, no matter what happens. God, I trust that you're speaking some truth because your people are here. And so how can I respond to that today? The idea behind the series really comes down to this thought. 
See, I think as people, we rarely rise to live out our aspirations. Instead, we default to our habits and we revert to our rhythms. So, like, you all are really great people, and you have great things, and you're wonderful people, and you want to do amazing things in the world. Yeah, I'm going to knock out that to-do list. I'm going uh, to sponsor that child in another country. I'm going to go home today, and I'm going to adopt a puppy who needs it. And you have all these great ideas of everything you want to do. Yet most of us, if you're anything like me at least, you'll wake up after some time and be like, oh, I didn't really, like, do a lot of those things. <laughs> a lot of us aren't self-driven enough Uh, to go and do all the good things that we want to do or become the people that we want to become because we revert back to our regular rhythms. And here's what I would say. Rhythms in your life are almost all unconsciously chosen. You may not even recognize it. You just slipped into a rhythm one day. What are your rhythms? Maybe if you're a parent of a young kid, the moment you put your kids down for bed, you're like, freedom! And you go downstairs, and you sit on the couch, and you turn on TV. And like, that's every night. That's your rhythm. That's what you do. Maybe a rhythm, if you've had a hard day at work, the second you get home, at least for me, uh, a lot of the series is what God had been talking to me about in October and November of last year. I've had a hard day at work, and I go home, uh, and like, I don't, I know the normal thing is like, I had a hard day at work, man, you need a drink. For me, it's like, oh, I had a hard day at work, I go home, I need a gluten-free Oreo. That's what I need right now. Why is that a rhythm? The second I experience something hard, I try to replace it with something. Don't laugh too much at that. That's terrible. Or maybe for you, why is it that when you experience something that brings you uncomfortable, uh, an uncomfortable moment, or it makes you at ease, or there's conflict in the room, you immediately pull out your phone and stare at a screen? We have these rhythms that are unconsciously built into our life. And they're things that maybe are bringing us down. And when you say, well, Galen, is this all really that important? I would say yes, because often the greatest moments of meaning in our life are found in the most ordinary ones. So in this series, what if we could intentionally choose to put rhythms into place that when we revert to those rhythms, they actually help us become who God wants us to be? That as we fall back into those, again, without even thinking, this is the normal way of life for me, there'd be things that, here's the churchy language for you, that would transform us into the image of Christ instead of deforming us away from who Jesus wants us to be. Or simply stated, the things that we do in our life help us become more like Jesus instead of pushing us away to become something else. In this series, we're going to help you build the rhythms of rest, prayer, margin, work, and learning into your life. And if you can establish these, I guarantee you over time, it will change your life. It will sow love and joy and peace, patience and kindness, all these things into your soul. So my prayer for you and what I want you to do is to open yourself up to God and say this, God, examine me. God, examine my life. Not just what I think about you or do I believe in you. God, my entire life. And I say, God, is there one rhythm you want me to change in my life? What can I do in my day in, day out to get to know you more? And some of you might immediately feel overwhelmed. Like, Galen, are you going to ask us to do more things? Like, are you going to ask us, I I am busy. You don't know my schedule. There's a lot. Are you really going to ask me to do more? I would say this. What if I told you that you had all the time in the world to experience all of God's blessings and even do most of what you wanted to do? If I told you that, you probably wouldn't believe me keep an open mind. 
I think we need to recognize our moment in history. Think of all the history of all the world in the time and in the place that we are in. In America, during this time of great information, of affluence, of security, of comfort, of safety. And then look at that and say, what are the greatest opportunities for our faith? Oh man, we might be able to share things online. We might be able to reach people that in other times we wouldn't have been able to reach. But then pause for a second. What are the greatest threats to our faith? because of the time and the day and the age we live in. Because of that, I heard this quote, and I I want you maybe to commit it to memory. For us in our time, the enemy doesn't need to destroy you if he can simply distract you. I think one of the greatest oppositions to the faith today is our own comfort, our own entertainment, that we would become so distracted that we would fail actually to live out what Jesus would want us to do in the world. And I would say it, you really think I have that much time? You don't know how busy I am. Yet studies would say the average Americans consume 7.5 hours a week, a day, of media, which I don't even know how that would work, probably watching TV and your phone at the same time. It seems like a lot. So let's say for you, you're you're better than the average Americans, right? Yes, you are, church. You're here. You're wonderful people. You're better. So let's call it four, okay? Four hours a day of TV or social media. Well, it's 14, 1,460 hours a year. Now, here's what I want to show you. I want to do this briefly because for some of you, this might change your perspective. So in this amount of time, 1,460 hours a year, in that same amount of time, same amount of time, you could pray 20 minutes Every day. Some of you are like, I struggle with two, but just hang with me. You could pray 20 minutes every day. You could read the entire Bible in a year. You could choose to volunteer your time two hours every single week all year long. You could work out 30 minutes a day every day. No days off, rest day if you wanted to. Work out every day for a year. You could read 15 books that would help you grow. You could go on a weekly two-hour date night with your spouse. I struggle to do it once a month. You could do it every week, two hours with your spouse. You could eat a meal with friends one evening every week for a year. I just don't have time to hang out with my friends every week for a year. You could enjoy, or some of you need to find, a hobby for two hours a week. You could do all, it's not just one of these, you can do all of these. And you're like, well, yeah, Galen, but that's not realistic. Like, I'm not actually going to like probably stop watching TV or scrolling or whatever it is that you do with your time. Different generations do different things. But you can do all of this and still engage in 30 minutes of social media every day and still watch one episode of your favorite show every day. Now, and this is based on four hours and not the seven and a half. Here's why I share this with you today. I'm convinced that how you spend your time is how you will spend your life To the extent that you consciously invest your time in the practices of God and that he is designed to bless your life and others, that will be the same extent that you experience his abundant life. You have all the time you need to know and experience of God and even do most of what you want. The issue is not a matter of enough time. It's a matter of our discipline and how we use it. So our different rhythms, the things we do, are different things that make up our life. It's why our creative team came up with this image. There's different things that make you who you are, but all the different things you practice make you who you are today. And today, the rhythm specifically that we will look at is the rhythm of rest. 
In this series, every rhythm will be either a daily or a weekly pattern, and the rhythm of rest today is a weekly. Today, we'll explore the idea of Sabbath and invite you to in- introduce Sabbath into your life as a new rhythm or practice. Now, Sabbath, I want to I share this. This is a really incredibly important thing to God. If you're familiar with the story of Moses, and Moses goes up on the mountain, and God gives us the Ten Commandments, and we learn very important things like you shouldn't murder people, you shouldn't steal from people, you shouldn't commit adultery, you shouldn't want your neighbor's stuff. Like these are all, yes, yes, these are very important. And then God also says, just as equally important as not murdering someone, work six days a week and rest on a seventh. Like, is it really that important, this idea of Sabbath? I think it is. And from Exodus 31, you have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day must be a Sabbath, a day of complete rest, a holy day dedicated to the Lord. Anyone who works on the Sabbath must be put to death. (laughs) Is that pretty serious? Really? It's very serious to him. We learn from our origin stories that God has created everything that there is. He did all of his work, and then on the seventh day, he rested. God built into the very framework, the, uh, the fabric of life, time and space to rest. And he gives it to us, and he commands us to do it. It goes on, the people of Israel must keep the Sabbath day by observing it from generation to generation. This is a covenant obligation for all time. It is a permanent sign of the covenant with the people of Israel. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, but on the seventh he stopped working and he was refreshed. So this goes on from generation to generation, and we see this Jesus that we follow doing the same thing from Luke chapter 4. When Jesus came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual, so this is a normal rhythm, a normal pattern for him, to the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stood up to read the scriptures. Jesus has a very ingrained fabric into his life, practice Sabbath. If we follow Jesus, then we should practice and follow the Sabbath as well. Now, when you hear an entire day of rest, no work, Americans are some of the hardest working people in the world. And to that, we're like, yeah, we are. Amen. It's great, great to have a great work ethic. And the average amount of hours worked in America per year puts us at the, one, of the, one of the highest of any country on the planet. So for some of us, just by average, when you hear take a whole day off, no work, you think that's impossible. You don't know my company. You don't know that these people need me. If I don't answer my email every day, if I don't check in, the whole thing will fall apart. A whole day away, there's no way that I could do that. For us today, I would encourage you to see Sabbath as an invitation to trust and to recognize that God is God. If you think that way, there's no way I could ever stop because if I do, then everything will fall apart. Let me say to you graciously and gently, if this is your mindset, you may have placed yourself on the throne of heaven and your perceived provision for yourself and everyone else may be borderline idolatry. God can do and accomplish anything he wants, and yet he chooses to involve us. We need to recognize that God can bring apart his will 
even without us. He chooses to involve us because he loves us. He loves relationship and our cooperation in his plans and mission. But the world will not stop turning if we clock out for 24 hours. Sabbath is a rebellion against the culture. It's a radical statement of trust that even if we don't get it done, God will provide. I think that God would much rather you spend a day enjoying him and his gifts to be with him than another day of doing. We have six other days for that. It's an invitation to recalibrate and to reorient ourselves back to God, to recognize, man, God has made this earth. Everything is his. He rested, so will I. I trust God as my provider. A prayer for us if you're looking for language for your Sabbath. If you struggle, if you're a little like me and you struggle with workaholism, you'd say this, God, you are my provider. You have all I need. You are all I need. I work and worry and stress about how things won't get done, but today I stand in defiance to a culture that never stops working to declare my trust and faith in you. You've commanded me to rest and enjoy you, and so I will. And in doing so, trust that you will take care of everything else. Let me delight in you, your creation, and others today. Psalm 127 says, It's useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. Don't you know, God gives rest to his loved ones. I would also say Sabbath is a gift. Uh, How many of you may have grown up in homes, if you grew up in the church, where your parents did their best to practice Sabbath, and maybe it was like Sunday after church. It's a day of no work. It's a day of different rhythms. Uh, So you go home, and you know what? Uh, No TV today. You know, no games today. We're not going to go out to eat because then we'd be making someone else work. So just go sit in your room and read a book. No fun. Be quiet. Today is the Sabbath. Did anybody grow up in that kind of home? Uh, instead, if, if you did, maybe it's a little more erring on the side of legalism, like do not work. You're making sure you don't work by putting in a bunch of other things in place too. But if that's you, I want to invite you to rethink Sabbath today. Um, when we got home, I would describe it like this. When we got home uh, from Christmas, we went home to Kansas to see some family, and we got back. Uh, I did, or my wife did, really. I'll give her credit, I guess. I was going to take credit for it. Um, what I would call a third Christmas. So we had Christmas here before our Christmas services. We gave the kids some gifts. Uh, and then we went home to Kansas, and grandparents spoiled the kids, and somehow, by the grace of God and Tetris with the minivan, we got all the gifts back. And then they, when, as soon as we got back, we had to put the kids to bed because it was afterward, so they didn't see us unloading the van. So we unload all the gifts from Kansas, all the gifts we had here, and my wife takes them and then organizes them in piles on the living room floor. This is Lillian's gifts. This is Shiloh's gifts. This is Dawson's gifts. So to the effect, and this was the best idea ever, we didn't have to spend any more money, but we got the joy of Christmas morning all over again. The next morning, the kids would come downstairs and see all their presents, and it would be new. Oh, my goodness. It's amazing. So I go to bed, um, you know, pat myself on the back for the work my wife has done and organizing this, and I can't wait for the morning. Shiloh, my two-and-a-half-year-old, she wakes up the next morning, and I take her to the bathroom, and and I'm like, hey, we should go downstairs. She's like, no, I want to go back to my room. I need to grab this thing. I go, no, Shiloh, go downstairs. No, I really need to go back to my room. And I'm like, child, please, just, just go downstairs. 
no, I want to go back to my room. So finally, I let her go back to her room. She grabs whatever she wanted. I say, go downstairs. Okay, so then I run down the stairs before her, get out my phone so I can, you know, catch all the joy and surprise and relive it again later. And sure enough, she comes down the stairs and she goes, oh, yay. And she starts running with her arms wide open. And so I'm like, yes, come here. I love you. Give you a hug. And she runs right past me to all the toys, and she starts playing and enjoying Christmas morning all over again. Now, here's why I tell you this. I gave her a command, go downstairs. And at first, she's like, no, I want what I want. But yet, when she carried it out, she found joy. She didn't find joy in obeying a command. She found joy and delight in the gift that she received. Jesus gives us Sabbath. Yes, it is a command, but it is a gift to be received. He says this in Mark. Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. I don't say take a Sabbath because you have to and it's a law and do it. It's not for you to meet the requirements. Wow, you did it or not. Instead, no, I'm giving you a Sabbath because aren't you tired don't you need rest? Don't you need time away with me? Don't you need refreshment for your soul? This is a gift for you to enjoy it. I want Sabbath in your life and in your family to be the best day of the week. Not go to your room and shut the door and be quiet and just read books. Sounds like parents need more me time than Sabbath anyway. Instead to say, ah, oh, what if you could get your favorite food? Your favorite coffee? What if you could build rhythms if you have family at home? Hey, every, whatever, if it's Sunday, every Sunday night, we're going to watch a family movie together, and you get to pick one this week, and we're going to make cookies together before it. Then my kids will even look forward to it and begin to love the Sabbath. It is meant to be a gift to restore us, to bring us rest. Enjoy this day. I meet so many people that haven't taken a single day off in a year, and they are exhausted. And the litmus test for me is this. Hey, take a Sabbath, and you know in your mind, well, if I took one day, that's really not going to do anything for me. Yes, and that's, you need a vacation. Go take more than one day. But when you come back, this is the rhythm of Sabbath. Do it every week. Whether you think you need it or not, do it long term, and you'll find that it will bring rest and life and refreshment to your soul. It's a rhythm I would also say that uh, a day off and Sabbath are very different from one another. Oftentimes, I, I even catch myself in saying this while I'm sharing it with you. It's what the Lord's been talking to me about, of, oh, yeah, it's my day off. It's my day off. But these are very different things. Uh, when I was a college student, I was interning. God had called me into ministry. I was um, started down that track of education and experience, working in a church, um, trying to do what God has called me to do and be a pastor. And so I go and get an internship at a church. It's the Shawnee Church of the Nazarene in Kansas City. I get paired up with this uh, youth pastor that I, you know, I'm a college student. At the time, I thought he was old and wise. He was like 27 years old. Um, but he was so wise, and I knew it was somebody that I wanted to be around. You ever meet those people that you're like, you're young, but like you feel like you should have gray hair already because you're wise. Uh, he was one of those guys. And so I remember we had our weekly meeting. He said, how are you doing in your relationship with God? I was like, honestly, I feel kind of far away from God. I feel tired. I'm exhausted. He goes, tell me about your Sabbath. 
you practicing Sabbath? Yeah, I had a great Sabbath this last week, actually. He's like, really? Tell me more about it. I'm like, oh my goodness. You know, it's a day of enjoyment, right? So, and I, I interpreted Sabbath as everything, basically, that I want. I was like, I watched like six hours of CSI Miami. It was awesome. Uh, I had like a frozen pizza, but like the good kind of frozen pizza for lunch. I had like two cups of coffee. I made different things I love. And yeah, I had like two two things of Mountain Dew later, two in the day. It's whatever. Oh, and there's the Chinese place for dinner. That was amazing. And then I was playing video games. I was loving it so much. Like, why does Sabbath have to end? You know, so I stayed up till like 1 a.m. in the morning. It was a full day of everything that I love. This wise mentor looks at me. He says, you may have had a full day of everything you love, but where was God in the midst of that? Are any of those things that you enjoy bringing you life? None of those things are actually connected to the source of life. Be careful that in your Sabbath it doesn't become a day of entertainment and distraction, but instead that you could lean into the source of life. Sabbath is different because Sabbath is also a time to intentionally focus on God. Most of you will practice Sabbath on Sundays. For me, I kind of work on Sundays, so I choose Fridays. But you would come and you would put yourself in the presence of God, that you would hear from his word, that you would respond to him. You'd spend twice the amount of time that you would normally in your devotions, in your prayer, thanking God and being grateful for the week that has been, praying for the week to come, being in his presence, enjoying life with God. Life is not that your view of God doesn't have to be one of, I hope I do all the right things. It could be, I delight in you, as the Psalms say. Enjoy him with your time. And here's the very, very practical take home for your, for your household. I want you to actually begin to use the word Sabbath. Oh, we're practicing Sabbath. Today is my Sabbath. Well, Sunday is my Sabbath. And instead, don't use the term day off. I think uh, for some of you, maybe even you're new to church, you've never even heard of this idea of Sabbath, and you're like, this should tell you something about the God whom you love and serve, that he would give you a gift. You're like, my belief system offers me a full day where I don't have to work, and I get to enjoy the fullness of creation and relationships and the beauty of life. This is amazing. Yes, because when we practice it as a community, well, it tells the rest of the world how good and amazing and loving our God is anyway. Maybe you've never heard of Sabbath, so you'd start calling it Sabbath and practice it. Probably for most of us in the room, you've heard, you've heard talks, uh, you've heard messages, you've read about Sabbath in Scripture. Maybe the reason why we don't use that language is because we know we're not doing it right. We're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, even myself, and I've started to uh, talk with some of our staff about this for me. If I say my day off, please call me out. It's a Sabbath. It's not just, oh, get away. It's time to enjoy God, it's different. Isaiah says, keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interest on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath. Speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything that you do on that day, and don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance. There's a provision. I promise to your ancestors, Jacob, I, the Lord, have spoken. Finally today, when will you practice Sabbath? Again, church isn't just something that we go to, but we learn to know this God. We learn to know what he asks of us, and then we put it into practice. 
Maybe today or this week, you're choosing a day. Again, for most of you, probably Sunday is a natural day. When will I practice Sabbath? And then maybe not just this week, can I build this in as a regular rhythm into my life? That God would use these moments to bring about rest and wholeness within me. The beginning of Psalm 91, a beautiful passage, says, those who live in the shelter of the Most High. When I first read this, those who live in the shadow, the shelter, they dwell in the house of God. They walk with God in his shadow. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Again, Jesus himself says, come to me, all of you who are weary, you carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. By living in the rhythm of resting once a week, we enjoy God, each other, and creation. It reorients us to recognize God is God. Everything we have comes from him. The more we live with him, the more he will produce his fruit in our lives, including the rest that we so desperately need. This week, and build in a new rhythm in your life for more than this week, rest with God. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes, and pray with me? Jesus, in these moments, we hear your words once again. Come to me, all of you who are weary, all of you who carry heavy burdens. Come to me, and I will give you rest. God, today I think of the person, either here or online, who feels frazzled, feels like their life is in a million different directions. The pace of life has been so frantic. They know they need rest. Maybe they're beyond. They know they're way beyond needing rest. Friend, if that is you today, would you accept Jesus' invitation? Come to me. Maybe in these moments you say, God, I need you. I've been trying to do this on my own, working so hard to bring things to pass. I need you. I need you to bring them to pass, and I need a rest for my soul that the world cannot give. So Jesus, I come to you. God, would you refresh our hearts today? Would you give us the rest that comes from heaven to enjoy you, to delight in you? And then God, as a community, help us to practice the rhythm of Sabbath that it would become a once-a-week tradition that we look forward to and love. I think of those that are maybe new to church or those that have been in church for a very long time, that we could get back to this love of enjoying and delighting and spending time with you, enjoying you, your creation, spending time outside, our relationships with those that we love, celebrating all that is good and beautiful and just in the world. Help us to build in this rhythm and then meet us there. God, maybe even for us today, maybe we'll change our plans. Or even next week as we practice, would you meet us there? Let us know again you love us, you provide for us, and you give us rest. We love you, Jesus. We pray all these things in your name. And thanks again for joining us for the First Naz podcast. If you're interested in what your next step in growing your relationship with God might look like, 
I'd encourage you to visit us at firstnaz.cc engage, or you can download our app from the App Store, First Nazarene Church. And there you can let us know if you've made a decision for Jesus, or you can also find practical resources to help you grow closer to Jesus. I'd also invite you to subscribe to the podcast if you're not already to make sure that you've always got the latest content. And if you want to, feel free to share this on your social accounts. You never know who else might need to hear today's message as well. Well, thanks again for joining us. Have a great day.